Evening. You're on the air with Mike on the mic. This is Mike Hasichek, and I love my Catholic faith. And today we're going to talk about uh, chapter three of my book. Uh, the book's entitled the Eucharist, The Real Presence. And chapter three is about the early church fathers and what they thought about the Eucharist. But before we get started, let's start out with a prayer. And we're going to do the uh, uh, prayer of spiritual communion. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So today uh, we're going to talk about you know, what did the one of the ways of looking at the real presence? You know, the Eucharist being the body, blood, soul, the body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and and to see you know what the early church fathers believed way back at the beginning, um, and what did they believe about the Eucharist, the ones that were closest to Jesus, um, and. You know, did they did they believe that the Eucharist was the real presence, the body and blood and soul and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. And, and let's begin with Saint Ignatius of Antioch. You know, he was the third bishop of Antioch. He died around 110 A.D. Tradition holds that as a young boy, he heard the Apostle John preach, and also uh, knew Saint Polycarp, who was a bishop of uh, Smyrna, a follower of John the Apostle. So he wrote several letters on his journey where he was eventually martyred in the arena in Rome. Uh, it, it is believed that these letters were written sometime between like 80 and 110 AD. And the first is a letter to the Smyrnians, and the second is a letter to the Romans. So let's read the letters. This is the first one to the Smyrnians. It reads as follows. From Eucharist and prayer they hold aloof because they do not confess that the Eucharist is the flesh of our Savior Jesus Christ, which suffered for our sins, and which the Father in his loving kindness raised from the dead. And so those who question the gift of God perish in their contentiousness. It would be better for them to have, to have love so as to share in the resurrection. It is proper, therefore, to avoid associating with such people and not to speak about them either in private or in public, but to study the prophets attentively, and especially the gospel in which the passion is revealed to us and the resurrection shown in its fulfillment. Shun division as the beginning of evil. And then let's read the one from the uh, second letter, which is the letters to the Romans. It reads as follows, The prince of this world is resolved to abduct me and to corrupt my Godward aspirations. Let none of you, therefore, who will then be present, assist him. Rather, side with me, that is, with God. Do not have Jesus Christ on your lips and the world in your hearts. Give envy no place among you. And should I, upon my arrival, plead for your intervention, do not listen to me. Rather give heed to what I write to you. I am writing while still alive, but my yearning is for death. My love has been crucified, and I am not on fire with the love of earthly things. 
but there is in me a living water which is eloquent and within me says come to the father I have no taste for corruptible food or for the delights of this life bread of God is what I desire that is the flesh of Jesus Christ who was of the seed of David and for my drink I desire his blood that is incorruptible love so he's commenting on the Eucharist as the flesh of Jesus the real presence in the first instance he's warning about the Smyrnians not confessing that the Eucharist is the flesh of our Savior Jesus Christ and in the second letter to the Romans he says the bread of God is what I desire that is the flesh of Jesus Christ so I don't think he could have been more specific as to the Eucharist being the flesh of Jesus and now you know let's talk talk a little bit about uh, Saint Justin Martyr who was born around 100 AD so he was a philosopher and a Christian apologist he was martyred by beheading sometime between 163 and 167 AD and he's known to have written the first apology and dialogue with Trifo which were addressed to the Roman Emperor and the Senate and that was written sometime around 140 between 148 and 155 AD and it reads as follows and this food is called among us Eucharistia the Eucharist of which no one is allowed to partake but the man who believes that the things which we teach are true and who've been washed with the washing that is for the remission of sins and unto regeneration and who is so living as Christ has enjoined for not as common bread and common drink do we receive these but in like manner as Jesus Christ our Savior having been made flesh by the Word of God had both flesh and blood for our salvation so like likewise we have been taught that the food which is blessed by the prayer of his word and from which our blood and flesh by transmutation are nourished is the flesh and blood of that Jesus who was made flesh for the Apostles and the memoirs composed by them which are called Gospels have thus delivered unto us what was enjoined upon them that Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks said this do ye in remembrance of me this is my body and that after the same manner have, having taken the cup and given thanks he said this is my blood and gave it to them alone which the wicked devils have imitated in the mysteries of Mithras commanding the same thing to be done for that bread and a cup of water are placed with certain incantations in the mystic rites of one who is being initiated you either know or can learn so Wow, uh, that's an, this is there's really a lot here. You know, let's break this this letter down. First, he says, no one can receive the Eucharist unless they believe in the faith, and have been washed for the remission of sin, and is living as Christ enjoined. Second, he says, as the food has been blessed by the prayer of the Word, and is the flesh and blood of Jesus. Simple way of describing transubstantiation. And we can also think, uh, and you know, and one of the comments he's making is that they were kind of, that there was this uh, uh, idol, Mithras, that they were uh, imitating the same as what the Christians were doing. And that's what he's talking about in the second part of this letter. But we can also thank St. Justin Martyr 
for explaining what we did for Mass in the early church. And, you know, he's writing to this pagan emperor explaining what Christians do, and this was around 155 A.D. And this is really compelling. It begins as follows. On the day we call the Day of the Sun, which would be Sunday, all who dwell in the city or, or country gather in the same place. The memoirs of the apostles and the writings of the prophets are read as much as time permits. When the reader has finished, he who presides over those gathered admonishes and challenges them to imitate these beautiful things. Then we all rise together and offer prayers for ourselves and for all others, wherever they may be, so that we may be found righteous by our life and actions and faithful to the commandments so as to obtain eternal salvation. When the prayers are concluded, we exchange the kiss. Then someone brings bread and a cup of water and wine mixed together to him who presides over the brethren. He takes them and offers praise and glory to the Father of the universe through the name of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and for a consideration of time he gives thanks, in Greek, Eucharistation. Then we have been judged worthy of these gifts. When he has concluded the prayers and the thanksgiving, all present give voice to an acclamation by saying, Amen. When he who presides has given thanks and the people have responded, those whom we call deacons give to those present the Eucharist bread, wine, and water, and take them to those who are absent. Wow. So it's on a Sunday, and it looks a lot like Mass today with the Liturgy of the Word and then the Liturgy of the Eucharist, also including bringing the Eucharist to the homebound. Man, that is absolutely amazing. We go all the way back to, you know, 155 AD, and he's describing how they did Mass, and it's exactly, you know, like how we do things in the Catholic Mass today. I mean, it's really, you can't, can't make this up. It's absolutely amazing. And then uh, let's go to um, St. Irenaeus. So St. Irenaeus was the Bishop of Lyons, and he was noted for inventing uh, systematic theology. He was born sometime around 140 A.D. and died around 202 A.D. And he was said to have heard the preaching of Polycarp, and he refuted, he was known to, as one who refuted Gnostic errors in his book called Against Heresies. And this is how he described the Eucharist. Let me pull that out for you. Here it is. But vain in every respect are they who despise the entire dispensation of God and disallow the salvation of the flesh and treat with contempt its regeneration, maintaining that it is not capable of incorruption. But if this indeed do not attain salvation, then neither did the Lord redeem us with his blood, nor is the cup of the Eucharist the communion of his blood, nor the bread which we break the communion of his body. For blood can only come from veins and flesh, and whatever else makes us the substance of man, such as the word of God was made. By his own blood he redeemed us, as also his apostles declare, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the remission of sins. And as we are his members, we are also nourished by means of the creation. And he himself grants the creation to us, for he causes his son to rise, and sends rain when he wills. He has acknowledged the cup, which is a part of the creation, 
as his own blood, from which he bedews our blood, and the bread, also a part of the creation, he has established as his own body, from which he gives increase to our bodies. Further reads, When therefore the mingled cup and the manufactured bread receives the word of God, and the Eucharist of the blood and the body of Christ is made, from which things are substance of our flesh is increased and supported, how can they affirm that the flesh is incapable of receiving the gift of God, which is life eternal, which flesh is nourished from the body and blood of the Lord, and is a member of him? Even as the blessed Paul declares in his epistle to the Ephesians that we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, he does not speak these words of some spiritual and invisible man, for his spirit has not bones nor flesh, but he refers to that dispensation by which the Lord became an actual man, consisting of flesh and nerves and bones. That flesh which is nourished by the cup, which is his blood, and receives increase from the bread, which is his body. So, um, wow, I mean, that's pretty, pretty compelling. And, um, you know, again, you know, we're, we're seeing, uh, you know, the flesh and blood, nothing about symbolism. It's also describing transubstantiation. So, you know, what we're seeing here is there is no one of these early church fathers going all the way back to close to the time of uh, uh, the Apostle John uh, that believed that the Eucharist was a symbolic, was, a, was, was symbolism. That, you know, they, they are all saying that it is uh, Jesus' flesh and blood and um, they're also describing transubstantiation, which we believe in the Catholic faith. So, I mean, it's, it's a pretty compelling argument. Now we can go to um, look at St. Thomas Aquinas. And St. Thomas Aquinas lived uh, around uh, 1225 A.D. to around 1274 A.D. And he was a priest and he was one of the doctors of the church. So he was commissioned by Pope Urban IV to write the Catina Ario, which is a commentary on the four Gospels incorporating the works of 80 church fathers. So the way this works is kind of like each passage of the four Gospels is followed by a collection of the interpretation by various church fathers up to that point in time. So, you know, he picked from around 80 different church fathers and you, you read the passage and then underneath that passage, you know, there might be three, four, five, six different church fathers commenting on what that interpretation of that um, particular passage uh, actually means. So, um, so let's take a look at uh, the, one of the passages and this will be in the Gospel of Matthew, and this would be uh, first. Uh, this is chapter 26, verse 26, where he says, uh, Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. So let's take a look at what certain um, church fathers uh, said about this particular verse. And we can begin with uh, St. Ambrose, was a theologian and the bishop of. Milan. He lived from around 340 A.D. to 397 A.D. And here's what he said that the interpretation of that passage meant. 
he says, This bread before the sacramentary words is the bread in common use. After consecration, it is made of bread, Christ's flesh. And what are the words, or whose are the phrases of consecration, save those of the Lord Jesus? For if his word had power to make those things begin to be which were not, how much rather will it not be efficacious to cause them to remain what they are, while they are at the same time into somewhat else? For if the heavenly word has been effectual in other matters, it is ineffectual in heavenly sacraments therefore of the bread is made the body of Christ and the wine made blood by the consecration of the heavenly word dost thou inquire after the manner learn the course of nature is that a man is not born but of man and woman woman but by God's will Christ was born of the Holy Spirit and a virgin and then uh, we can also take a look at um, Saint Pescasius, and he was a theologian, and he was the abbot of Corby, who was born somewhere around 785 A.D. and died in 863 A.D. And he said the following of the same passage, Matthew 26, verse uh, chapter 26, verse 20, 26. As then the real flesh was created by the Holy Spirit without sexual union, so by the same Holy Spirit the substance of bread and wine are consecrated into the body and blood of Christ. And because this consecration is made by the Lord's word, it is added, he blessed. So, you know, both theologians were pretty adamant about the consecration of the bread and wine, you know, you know, into the flesh and blood. So the church has believed and followed what Jesus said about the Eucharist being his real presence from the beginning. You know, we, we you know, we just went through just a handful of church fathers and what they said. You know, I could spend, you know, a pretty, uh, you know, good few hours kind of walking through, uh, reading a lot of what all the church fathers said about the early church fathers said about the Eucharist. I just picked several of the highlights, trying to go back and skip through some of the centuries to see that it was consistent, you know, throughout from the beginning, uh, you know, until we have, you know, right now in present, you know, in the Catholic Church, we believe in transubstantiation. We believe that the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is a real presence. It is his flesh and blood. And, you know, there is no doubt when you read what these church fathers said, which many of them were martyred. I mean, they, they, they died for their beliefs. And they didn't change their beliefs. I mean, could you imagine, you know, if somebody said, hey, look, you know, if you change what you believe, um, you can live. Well, because they knew it was for real. And, and what the reward was, you know, being in heaven to spend all eternity with the, with, the, with the Trinity, you know, they gave their lives for it, for what they believed. And they wrote it down, and they, and they, they wrote letters to the emperors. You know, they defended the faith. Um, and, and, you know, several of them were martyred for that. So, you know, I, I think, you know, when you study, you go back and, and, and are trying to figure out, you know, what, 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 how early did the church, the, the churches believe this since Jesus said it. You know, we, we, last week we talked about what sacred scripture says about the Eucharist and the real presence. You know, we saw in Jesus' own words telling us that's what it is. 
and then we see the church fathers all the way back to the beginning all the way to present you know believing that that in fact is what it is we'll be back next week god bless you and have a great week